Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Water Lad Podcast with, of course, another absolute lad. And speaking of lads, it is New Zealand Cup Week, which is one of the best weeks in sport here in New Zealand. And this Cup Week, there is only one man to follow, and that is the great Regan Todd, champion harness racer of the great Water Lad. Big supporter of the podcast, and of course he is a lad, and he's even sent through a couple of specials for us to follow this week to get you going. Firstly, Tuesday, Coral Valley Star, a place, get on that, and on Friday, Trencherous Gal, each way, all day. Enjoy, and make sure you go give Todd's Racing a follow. Another thing that will get you through Cut Week is, of course, Pure Sports CBD. I'll be doubling my dose of Clarity Oil to give me the clearest mind possible this week. I'll also be carrying my Boost Nootropics for when I need that natural boost of energy. And as always, I will have my muscle balm on hand for any muscle aches I may get. Remember, you can get 20% off your order by using the code WATERLAD20. And as always, I leave a link below. So if you are interested in getting some Pure Sport CBD, go and click on that. Lastly, in between days this week, there is no better place to clear your head and refresh your body than O Studio. And my man Tim Bateman is giving Waterlad listeners a chance to own your very own. The wellness space is the second fastest growing industry in the world and it's only going to grow more as there's more research done on the benefits of some of the key parts of O Studio. Timmy will guide you through the process of running your very own business and if that interests you at all, I strongly suggest that you get in touch with him and discuss all the options possible. Again, I'll leave a link below, so go click on that to inquire. And as always, very grateful for the sponsors of today's show, but let's get to the show. Ah, what a lad and what a lad I have for you all today with arguably one of the greatest dual code internationals we have ever seen. He's a Melbourne Storm and Kiwi legend in the 13-man code and a North Harbour, Auckland Blues and All Black legend in the 15-a-side game. He's also a very highly requested guest because he is indeed one hell of a lad. It is one of the greats, Matt Duffy. Welcome, mate. (laughs) What an intro. Thank you very much. <laughs> don't, know, don't know about all that legendary stuff, but yeah, I'll take it. Mate, claim it, mate. It's good to get you on. I know I've been trying to get you on pretty much since you decided to hang up the boots. So um, you're probably a little bit deeper into your post-footy career already. So how are you finding it? I'll be honest, it was it was quite a quick, like in the scheme of things, it wasn't something that I sort of goes, oh, this is my last year and you know, I'm going to hang up the boots at the end of the year. It was, it was more or less sort of came to the crunch time and made a decision over a sort of two, three week period. Um, and then the last week when I actually made the decision, I, I was stuck inside with COVID with my whole family. So, um, yeah, it was, it's been a, a pretty enjoyable couple of months actually since, since hanging up the boots. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's good. So what, what was the deciding factor for you to call it quits? Yeah, I probably, I didn't really have sort of, you know, that, oh, now's the time, or, you know, players say, like, oh, I knew I was ready and stuff, because, you know, sitting here today, I, I feel like I could still play. Oh, so, um, and, I, and I was still contributing, and still, <laughs> still felt, I still felt good, you know, physically and stuff. But I guess um, when when the rollerman now, so came up, you know, initially I, I was you know, I was a little bit gutted because I was like, oh, I want to keep playing for another couple of years and, you know, it's probably not the right timing and, 
and all that sort of stuff for me. But um, the further along the you know the process I got, it was just pretty obvious that it was a massive opportunity and something that would have been stupid to turn down, um, especially being at the club that I'm at now and um, the role I'm in now. It's just it just seemed too too good to pass up. So you know it was. Some people go, yeah, I'm done, you know, I'm done, I'm finished, but I wasn't really like that, and that's maybe what made it a little bit more difficult to make the decision, but once I did make the decision, I was completely, fully happy and content where I'm at right now, because I knew that stepping back into into the storm, you know, it's just a great setup whether you're a coach or a player, it, it you know, it's not like I'm going, oh, banging my head against the wall, oh, they should be doing this or they should be doing that, you know, it's just... It's, it's a it's a great place to to be. Did you have offers from in Japan still to continue to play over there? Because obviously a lot of guys sort of get stuck in that trap. The yen's so attractive. Um, one more year. What's one more year? I may as well keep going. Um, did you still have that offer? Well, yeah, that was the tricky thing as well. I didn't. Um, so Honda, Honda, they punted me. Um, I was, I'm a I'm a cat player. So I was when I was over there. I'm competing with. You know, current All Blacks, current Wallaby players, current Springboks. You know, and, and I'm not a, I'm not a ten, I'm not a twelve. You know, there, there's very certain internationals they go after. So it was always a battle. Um, so Honda went went um, resigning me. So I probably I, I feel like if I had waited, you know, waited until even until this point, there's probably still players getting signed up over there, but and gone to one of the smaller clubs. Maybe I could have done it, but then there's the thing like. Storm needed an answer. I could have said no and then risked risk it. But and then also going back to New Zealand, I, I know. I mean, the NPC was 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 a really a really strong competition at the moment. I think because there's a lot of guys coming back from overseas. Yeah. Um, and then there was also America. There was an option, uh, but again, it would have all been say no. So I've got this great opportunity. Say no, and then figure it out after and you know when I'm sitting there and I've got like a one and a three year old daughter and my wife we've been traveling since we left Melbourne it's been seven years yeah. kind of weighing it all up I'm like man you know it's not like I'm going to be unhappy yeah. <laughs> you know it's not like I was gonna I, I don't feel like I've sacrificed too much by retiring you know like I'm I'm still fit and healthy and I can play other sports and you know i was even training on the other on the opposition team pretty much the whole year um for storm running on the wing just plugging plugging gaps where i could um but yeah it was it was quite a complex decision but i feel like in my head you know when i really sat back and thought about it it's just it's a bit of a bit of a no-brainer really um and the thing is i i do feel like this is not like a short-term thing for me. I, I feel like uh, we, my wife from Melbourne, we wanted to move back here um, and settle down. So then I literally can walk back into a job back here and it's just, and it doesn't feel like a job. So, yeah. yeah it so, mate, what is your role exactly? Yeah, so I'm I'm Pathways Coach, so that's my title. Um, so I'm predominantly looking after the 18 to 20, 21 year olds that we've got contracted. Um, some are here with us and some aren't. So some are in different parts of the country. And, um, so it's, it's pretty cool role actually. Like I, um, like it's a bit technical, tactical, it's a bit like the coaching stuff, but a lot of it's going to come down to sort of that mentoring and, 
um, I've literally come through the same system as as these guys are coming through. So, um, albeit I, I came through with the Toyota Cup, the Toyota Cup's not around anymore, but <clears throat> we're looking to create something similar down here. So, um, it's pretty cool. But and the and the other cool thing is I'm actually based at Amy Park, and I'm I'm in with the NRL coaches. So, I'm not necessarily an NRL coach, but I'm in the same office. Um, listen to the way they talk and, and all that sort of stuff and then I'm, I've given that feedback down same same terminology and all that sort of stuff so that we just get this um, sort of aligned process and these guys coming through the last few years we've I think we've, our development's dropped off a little bit and it's a little bit to do with COVID but um, you know when the storm were good like in 2017 is one of the best teams of the NRL era um, we had we had like I think it was something like 70, 75% of the of the team was developed in Melbourne, yeah. you know, and then we only recruited like three players outside of the outside. Um, and when I say Melbourne, we, we don't really produce many Melbourne players, mm. you know, so, so Melbournians, we don't produce, we've only produced four and like 230 sure. odd players. So the, the Melbourne developed players I'm talking about are the ones like myself who came straight over, from St. Kent's, um, came over as an eighteen-year-old, but I'm I'm a Melbourne player. You know what I mean? Yeah. So <clears throat> we're trying to get back to that. Um, I think it's really important. You look at sort of Penrith, the way they they're doing it. Um, we just need to sort of clean up our pathway. So, and then another part of my role is that we've got like bigger development squads, and I could they they've got their own coaches, uh, but I, I'm sort of overseeing that and making sure the processes and, and all that sort of stuff at that level are, are good. So then, yeah, I'm a resource for those coaches. Mm. So talking about, again, trying to, same terminology, you know, same mindset, you know, creating storm players through our pathway. So it's a pretty cool role. And I get to go to all the NRL. I'm literally at every NRL session. So it's good. Yeah. Mate, that is cool. And is it mainly on-field stuff? Sounds like it's mainly like, technical tactical stuff or is it like off field stuff sort of like that pdm type role here yeah yeah so um i imagine my role you know like i started in july and so i'm kind of just getting my feet under the desk and stuff so i'm still figuring out how it's all going to work but i think once the preseason starts what i'm going to find is it's going to be probably half of it's going to be technical tactical and then half of it's going to be creating good habits like lifestyle habits um making sure these these guys are um, eating well, sleeping well, you know, doing the right things off the field and just creating habits that are going to help them have a long career in the NRL. So that's kind of my role is, and the, the good thing is, is that because I'm not coaching a team, I'm coaching individuals, the pressure of wins and losses is not really there, yeah. you know, so I don't, I'm not going to sort of um, skip over something because I want to get a win, which can happen at times. It's really going to be create good habits no matter you know what's happening. And then when they go back to play under-21s and there's a different coach, he, he's more worried about the, you know, the wins and losses. Yeah. So it's good. It's a really, really good way to sort of get into it. Because, um, yeah, you can see every coach with the best-laid best plans are all great until there's a couple of losses in a row and then you start to... <laughs> Jumping on carpet bubbles and, and it's popping up somewhere else, and you know, so um, yeah. Right, that's, uh, and you mentioned um, being in with the other coaches. What what are, what are they like? What's what's Craig Bellamy like? No, he's good. He's he's um, 
he he's a creature of habit like you know I left in 2015 and you know I came back sort of seven or eight years later and and you know I don't see a whole lot different in terms of his process throughout the week with his footy but I think the biggest change I've seen he's probably not that he wasn't connected with the playing group but he's a lot more connected with the playing group now than when I left maybe maybe that was just my perception you know I was young when I was coming through and sometimes you're a bit nervous and don't really have those conversations but I I see now that how much he's grown in that area in terms of you know looking after players off field and making sure they're going all right and, and stuff like that so I think his footy process is is the same yeah I, I'd imagine he'd do oh he does you know hours of video even even at the moment like even now after mm. doing it for 20 years he's He's still as motivated, hardworking as ever. Um, but I just think, yeah, in terms of the way he interacts with players, he's he's grown a lot in the area, so it's it's good. Right. And is there any players that you're working with who you're excited to see or you think are about to be, you know, the next uh, Matt Duffy's? Of- <laughs> Hopefully they don't have any, as many injuries as me. But uh, now nah, there, there's there's a, a few exciting players. You know, we've got a good mix coming down in November. There's an exciting hooker coming coming through, Gabriel Satrick. He um oh yeah, he just burst out of, out of nowhere this year and he and he's won he's like Aussie schoolboys hooker. Um he won like man of the match in the national final, you know, he scored tries, you know, he's a freak, freak. And he's up he's from this Aboriginal community way up north Yarrabah. Um so you know, guys, and he's a good, he's a good kid. Loves to compete, and he's funny and that. So I'm excited to see how he develops. But you know, it's always hard at this, at that age. You, you kind of don't know, you don't know who's going to kick on, who's not. You know, it's it's one of those things. But that's the exciting part. And again, for my my role in particular, it's um, making sure they're doing, you know, all the right things in the gym, off the field, you know, all that sort of stuff and turning up with a good mindset, um, exposing them to mental skills, all that sort of stuff that is going to actually help them have really long careers, you know. So it's really exciting. Mate, and you're the perfect man for that role. It's exciting times for the Storm. But overall ball careers don't really get much better than um, yours. So we do have a lot to get through. I'm looking forward to hearing it. But as always, we do need to start at the start. Where'd you grow up? What was What was your childhood like? Yeah, so I grew up in Auckland, um, in Pakaranga. I played rugby and league all my life, so I'd, I'd sort of they'd ask me at the start of the winter, my parents, they'd be like, "Oh, what do you want to play?" And I'd play, you know, either go to, down to the league club or go to the rugby union club. Um, and when I was twelve, I moved down to Christchurch. I, I lived in a, a town called Kaipoi oh, yeah. with the um, for three years. Um, the great Matt Todd was from there, oh. and um, he was the absolute superstar. Um, down there like he, he was literally the king of Kaipoi playing prem rugby when he was like 16 <laughs> dominating um, <clears throat> so when I went down there it was again rugby and league league on Sundays rugby on Saturdays um, played a bunch of volleyball when I was younger loved it and then when I um, I came back up to Auckland for my year 11 year so um, and went to St Kent so I was lucky enough to get a um a bit of a scholarship there, so I went back to St. Kent's and then um, family all moved back up and then, yeah, kind of finished my schooling there and as soon as I, my last day of school, I had my last exam and then two days later I moved to Melbourne, so I didn't even stay around for a graduation, nothing. Um, right. So, yeah. Was your was the move purely for rugby? Is that what you got your scholarship for? Because 
by all accounts, you were you were pretty gifted at pretty much every sport you tried. Um, <clears throat> oh, I think the, the actual definition of the scholarship was a sports scholarship, so it wasn't necessarily for rugby. It's quite funny. I turned up. I remember turning up like the first week at St Kent's, and um, and uh, like you know how these things, all the rumours started. Oh, we've got this kid from Christchurch coming. Apparently, he's like a big big sort of um, Tonga number eight he's like he dominates and stuff he's coming up from Christchurch too. and I turned up mate and I had I had like a big big blazer jacket because like you know just getting the uniforms expensive and that my scholarship didn't cover the uniform so mum got me a, a, a blazer that would literally still fit me now it would still hang off me now and I like turn up and I'm and, the, and sort of a couple of days went by and the then everyone started to tell me, oh, yeah, we thought you were, like, this big number eight. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, whoopsie. Uh, but, yeah, and then when I got to St. Kent's, I'm, I'm sort of – I'm glad I came through that St. Kent's when I did because um, we were allowed to play every sport, any sport, you know, as long as it, you could manage it, you know, work workload-wise and schooling and stuff, you could just play. And so I was, you know, athletics, volleyball. Um, we had a cricket, a social cricket team, had – rugby union played softball you know and, and that's the same as what i was doing in christchurch like in christchurch out in the country you just play everything you know you yeah. ride your bike to training and i thought it was to me it was great for my development in terms of just being in team sports no matter what it is and it's pretty sad nowadays like the boys get you know they're doing pre-season for rugby at, at like at school it's just like what is, what's that all about you know like they should be playing cricket and you know yeah. should be playing touch footy and stuff over the summer and just you know so I'm glad I came through when I did because I, I think if I came through now I'd, yeah rugby would probably give me the shits <laughs> so was it were you training hard or like were you just pretty naturally gifted and like you say was it just because you were playing so many different sports that you felt like you were able to pick up rugby pretty quick or be so good at rugby um, I, I always, I'm, I've always been a good trainer. Like when I'd go to training and stuff, and the fact that I was playing a bunch of different things, I, I wouldn't need to do anything extra outside of the actual training. So, you know, in a in a week, um, I would have had I was playing sort of club volleyball outside of St Kent's. I was playing St Kent's volleyball and playing rugby at the same time, and then sometimes it overlap with athletics. And so in the training or in the competing part i'd always you know rip in and stuff but outside of that i wasn't like yeah surprise surprise i hated the gym <laughs> um i yeah i didn't i don't i wasn't a big gym guy so i never went to the gym um and it came back to bite me once i got to the store i um and then i i remember literally remember going for like one run when i was outside of school when i was at school like a one road run and, yeah. and other than that i was just i just loved playing you know being a part of the team and even athletics it's like you know you're just competing you know it's i enjoyed everything about that mm. and the training was fun as well you know get down to training and throw a footy around and mm. stuff and was it high jump and long jump that you were good at at athletics or what were your events um yeah i think oh, I, th- I think athletics i was that was something that I never trained for because you don't really have team training outside of athletics, like for a school. Normally the good athletics people would be doing club athletics and stuff like that. They have coaches and stuff. But I, I guess like athletics, I was probably reasonably naturally gifted. Like I, I'd always, because I was playing volleyball, I, was, I loved the jumping stuff, you know, high jump, long jump, triple jump. You know, I loved all that. 
Um, and I'd kind of just figure it out on the run. Um, never really had a, a marked out run up for long jump or whatever. So I think I guess for athletics, I was probably I was lucky that I, it clicked for me, you know. So, um, but yeah, I, I reckon with athletics, I was probably better when I was about. I think I was jumping the same for high jump when I was about fifteen than I was when I was eighteen because oh, I, like, I think it was virtually the same because, you know, I was getting bigger, so I wasn't jumping as high and stuff like that. Yeah. So, but I think in terms of my best, my best event, maybe probably the two hundred, maybe, oh, maybe I don't know. There was, yeah, I was high jump would always be all right, but there was always some freak who would be jumping ten, fifteen <laughs> centimeters further, uh, higher or stuff like that or even long yeah. jump you get the 100 meter sprinters and they'd be that'd be yeah crazy good um 200 wasn't too bad because yeah. it, it's you know a bit of a gut run <laughs> <laughs> so not as technical maybe i could make up make up there with my long strides oh good stuff but i've always been interested in like sort of the process of the recruitment from the storm so obviously the storm do pick you up um, how was that whole process? Did they just watch you playing rugby for St. Kent and approach you? What? How does it work? Um, yeah, so at the time when I was coming through, we're the Toyota Cup, and that was NRL. Like, I know this now, but the NRL just was, like, throwing money at it, you know, trying to get it off the ground. So uh, when I got signed up, like, obviously there was a lot of money coming into the game, like, at under-20s level. Yeah. Um and they, and with the storm because they had to recruit a lot of guys from out out of town and and stuff like that they I don't I don't know but they probably got more money than that so I ended up um, getting recruited after playing St Kent's yeah like I it was a little bit on recommendation like you know um, kind of like a CV or like this is what I've done in all different sports and I think at the time Storm really liked people who had played a bunch of different sports. You know, I think um, they'd recruited that way in the past because they knew that you get an athlete in and, and sort of a good person, so good character athlete, then they can the system turns them into um, good rugby league players. And I, and I think, uh, to be honest, that's the way they recruit now. You want you want good people, good athletes, and then the system will will do the rest. So I was fortunate enough; I got a a three year contract uh, while I was at school. So I was. One year I was still at school, so it was a scholarship, so it was pretty much nothing. It was just, they sent me like a bag of kit, which I was pumped about. Um, and then that was in 2008. That was my last year at St. Ken's. And then I knew that two years after that I was playing under 20s, but it was literally five grand. So my first year was $5,000 contract. But you got your, uh, but it was your training after, out of hours. So early in the morning and then late at night, so you could have a job. Yeah, and then I got my accommodation paid for by the NRL. So at that time, um, if you live two hundred k's away from your home, if you moved two hundred k's, then they'd pay for your accommodation. I think it was about two hundred bucks a week. So, so yeah, that's how it kind of all worked out. And um, yeah, I had a, a player agent at the time, and um, he sort of said to me that your best chance of succeeding is going to Storm. You know, if you want, I think a lot of agents should really have that mindset with all their players you know mm-hmm. send them to a good system and a good environment and you're going to have a long career so and that's probably my advice to a lot of young guys if you know if they're thinking about going down sacrifice the first couple of years three four years of your career to be in a good mm-hmm. system and then you'll get your money later on you know because you'll you'll have a mm-hmm. 
you'll get that four years back easily. Get to the storm with Matt Duffy and your career is going to absolutely take off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this was a good recruitment. Don't know about that. I'll see how, I'll see how I go. <laughs> and then what was it like when you got to the yeah. storm? Like like you said, just, just out of school, um, long way to travel. Um, where were you living? How was your day-to-day life? Yeah, it was a rude shock when I first got there. I got, I think I got there on like the end of November. They got there on like a, a Friday. We were doing hills on the Friday with the under-20s team. And like I turned up and I think we did, we did weights testing in the morning, on the Friday morning, and I was putrid, like absolutely putrid. Like I think I, I, was, I was warming up with Jordan McLean, so he turned up the same day. Jordan McLean is like the front row from the Cowboys. And then a, um, a guy, oh, I forget his last name, oh, his first name, but it's Lomax. So he was like one of the Lomax boys, and the Lomax boys is there like monsters, you know. Like he, I'm sure he would have been related to Tyrell Lomax. Yeah. Anyway, they were warming up and they were like, oh, bench press, all right, we'll just do the bar to warm up. And I'm like, had barely done weights before. So I did the bar and then um, and then they go, oh, we'll chuck 60 on, eh? And I said, like, yeah, no worries. So I didn't want to say anything. I did 60 and I was like, man, that was heavy. Like, it was crazy. And they would just like pump out like 15 reps. <laughs> anyway, they chuck on. I said, oh, maybe just chuck on like 80. Don't even know how to even... Like, I think I put 10 on one side and then two fives on the other. You know you're a complete rookie when you're doing that. And so then I've just come down and I've, I've dropped it and, and I had no chest, longest arms ever, like like a pray mantis. And I've just dropped it straight on my chest and then it's just got stuck and I'm like, oh, just like absolutely battling. And uh, so I failed, went over to the trainer and said, oh, I got... um." I got uh, 80, and he goes, you didn't get 80, you got 60, and I was like, oh, okay, sweet, I got 60, so it was my 60 kilo 1RM bench press, and then I went over to the squat rack, and we did squats and same thing, 60, and then went to 90, and I just got one rep at 90, and then I racked it up, and I'm like, I'm done, like, my knees were wobbling and stuff, and I think the chin up, I literally did body weight, so anyway, that was the Friday morning, and then, and then I'm just feeling like a ship bloke the whole day got to the friday afternoon and, and we're out on the hills and i'm like right like i'm skinny oh, this is i'm gonna rip in and, and like and luckily enough i i like i went good on the hills like because i was i think at the time i was like 87 kilos yeah and I, all i'd been doing is running i was i was um playing afl footy back in auckland and it was during their preseason. Yeah. So I was just running, like running long distances. And so, yeah, I smoked it up the hills. And then from that point, the S&C guy, I was so lucky. Like he was, he hated fat guys. He didn't mind the weak guys that could run, but he hated the fat guys. So he never rode me at all the preseason because I was just like, you know, I don't know if I was winning all the runs, but yeah. I would have been up there top three or whatever. So that was day one. And then, but yeah, the preseason that time was, it was tough, man. Like, we would train the same, like do the same sessions as the NRL side, but we'd have to do it either in the morning or in the evening. So we were get, I was getting up at like 5.15, catching the train um, to Princess Park, would do weights in the morning and would be finished by, say, 7, and then would be off to work. And at that point, we are just doing labouring because like, so we are labouring yeah. all day during the like Melbourne summer go back in the afternoon, do like skills conditioning in the afternoon, get home at like 7pm, 8pm, cook dinner, boom, fall asleep, back to square one the next day. Like it's, it was relentless, relentless. So, but I mean, to be honest, at the time I was just like, 
it just I was so young it was just as a like the hell is this like if that if I was doing that nowadays mate yeah. the head noise would be ridiculous you <laughs> 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 know ridiculous so yeah so that was pretty much full full on until yeah we started playing trials in February so um but yeah ended up having a good season that year we went through won the comp um with our team we had like a really good team and 2009 we won the comp 20s and then NRL won it the same day so we had a strong club and then sort of towards the back end of that year um I don't I don't know if it was after the season or the back end of the year but there was about 10 or 11 of us that got um put up into first grade so like we got contracts so my second year of my 20s contract just got changed to a two-year NRL contract all right and so that was good. Like eleven of us went up and um, yeah started the preseason for 2010 in November, which was yeah, which was cool. Mate, eleven's a big number, eh? That's um, it's a good recruitment tool for, like you say, the storm. Yeah, and I, I think we've always had like a big turnover because, well, particularly during those days, those days because we had well, we had the big four at that point. We had GI, Billy, Cooper, Cam. Yeah, but then. Obviously, that came came out the next year with the salary cap stuff. Like, but even though technically over the salary cap or whatever, but there was still big turnover because all the guys on the fringes, like obviously us eleven came up, we were all on minimum minimum wage. So then you stack a team, it'd be like we were just role players. You know what I mean? And that's kind of how it was back then. You have the big three or big four, everyone else in there. You just sort of battlers, not not everyone, but everyone's sort of, you're just role-playing to create a system for these three guys, so so that's kind of how it how it was back then, but um, but I mean, like, we weren't complaining, we were loving it, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, and what were the big four like? Obviously, four legends of the game, all all in one team that you're in, uh, what, what was it like working with them? Were they welcoming? Yeah, oh, amazing, amazing, just the way they operated. I probably didn't appreciate it at the time, but, you know, I the 2010 season, that was my first season, and we literally had Greg Inglis, Cooper Cronk, Cam Smith, Billy Slater in our team. But then you look at the rest of the team, we had, like, you know, Adam Blair, Sikamanu, Kevin Proctor, um, Brett White was in the front row, like, we had Ryan Hinchcliffe. Man, we had, honestly, a stacked team. And so it was awesome, though. Like, I probably... I probably worked with Billy the most through my career or his career, my career, just because him playing fullback, I'm playing wing. He kind of took me under his wing a little bit. Um, and again, a lot of his stuff was around habits, you know, like um, off the ball work and stuff, which would make his job easier. Easier. He was he was real hard on me in, in that way. So mm. just around covering the backfield with our pendulum and stuff like that. Like if he goes left. I've got to cover that space he's leaving and, and stuff like that. So he taught me a lot, um, you know, hard on me at times, but off the field, great. And just the way they would get up for big games was pretty crazy. Like, you know, they could just, yeah, like when it came to finals time, they just had different different looks in their eyes. You know, they were just like, they were, they were honestly like sharks. It was crazy. And it would nearly just be like, boys, get out of the road. You know, <laughs> get out of the road because these boys are going to dominate. So, yeah. Did they drive most of the week? Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, like Craig was. Craig would always be like an eagle, look, looking over training and stuff. But Cam was pretty much Cam and Cooper sort of drove the team around yeah. and 
Billy was kind of the Tassie devil, like just like buzzing around the joint because he's got so much energy on the field. Um, and sort of Cam and Cooper would just be sort of keeping everyone moving the, in the same direction, you know. So, but yeah, the, some of the stuff that they would do at training, though, like particularly Billy, like some of the things he would do at training was just like you know out of this world. Like it was, especially being a winger, like he's throwing, he's getting pressure from it. He's just like not even looking, throwing like sort of 15, 20 meter passes, and, and just hitting me straight on the chest. Yeah, you know. And so, and the big thing for him was like. He, if say if he would throw a pass and if I'd be too deep or too flat or whatever and I wouldn't I wasn't catching it it was like it would be like my fault it wouldn't be the pass because he would always just throw it to the space and like not looking yeah. and so that's sort of the, some of the things that I've been trying to say to the wingers this year like because I've been at the NRL trainings it's like it's actually on you to get the ball you know it's like you got to be in the right the same place every time so that the fullbacks know you know they don't have to look they can just throw it so yeah that was that was a big thing for me is he'd often say sort of oh yeah you want the ball make sure you're in the right place make sure i can see you make sure you know you're in the right right place because i'll throw it there you've just got to it's on you to be there not on me to find you you know mate i like that as a forward that's good (laughs) and you became a pretty good target for cronk as well didn't you like um he'd often look look for you for the um, fifth tackle play, get up nice and nice and high in the air. Um, often came down with the with the ball. Yeah, yeah. No, it was obviously. I think you know, looking back on my career, I think it's the sort of aerial stuff is probably is definitely something that allowed me to have a long career. It was yeah. even if I wasn't necessarily breaking tackles or you know setting up tries and all that stuff. I was always a target for us attack wise, but also defensively is safe. So um, that's something that I was really passionate about. Um, and yeah, mm. Cooper Cooper would look for me, um, but I, I, I did notice that if I if I didn't get the first one, I'd often not get any for the rest of the game. <laughs> so I remember I always remember going to games. I'd be like, make sure the first one I need to go and go like go and get it. Like I need to make sure I get it. Like I was always so much pressure on the first crossfield kick because he'd always he'd it'd literally be one chance, and then and then he'd start grubbering for other people or. Um, stuff like that so um, but yeah it was I enjoyed that part I, it was something that even in 20s like we had a good we had an awesome halfback in 20s it was a great kick Luke Kelly and um, yeah we scored a bunch of tries that year just from just from that exact thing just no doubt because I, I was doing the AFL training back in Auckland so yeah. it was a lot of was a lot of yeah it just kind of that, that stuff kind of came kind of came naturally to me yeah and you did score a lot of tries in your first year. One try in particular that I did want to talk about was the one where you um, famously knock yourself out doing a was a face plant as you score. One of the great tries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one at Canberra, I would have been, I would have been HIA bloody probably miss next week if I did that nowadays. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was just one of those. I don't know. Actually, I still remember. That, like everything up into that, like even planting the ball, I still remember everything like yeah. about it. And yeah. obviously I've watched it back and stuff, but yeah, there was a play when we, um, Cooper went through like a, a flat cutout ball to Kevin Proctor, I think. And then he caught it at the line and gave like a return ball to, to Billy, ripped it back to Billy. And then we just had like a, a short long shape on the edge. And I knew straight away, like I was just like pinning it for the corner. Cause I knew he was going to throw it out in front and then I just got like a push and I was yeah. like off balance but 
I knew like I just got to get the ball down, but I had my head facing right. So when I hit the ground, like I didn't, I couldn't roll over. <laughs> but if I had my head sort of facing left, I would have just rolled over my shoulder. So then I ended up facing right. And then I remember after the game, or that week after the game, I had this big scab behind my ear because I'd slid like with my ear forward like that. So it's like, so it was a big like scab behind my ear. And, um, but yeah, we're back to halfway and, and pretty much just, I just, you just keep playing back then. Like it was just, yeah, it's amazing. Like I think about it now and I'm like, man, that's just like, wouldn't, that's just like not even a thing now. Like uh, for the better as well. Like for the better, like I was pretty crook, you know? Yeah. But it's just, yeah. Yeah. Did you have any memory loss or anything that any symptoms straight away that you knew? Like if you knew now, you'd be like, Jesus, I'm off. Now I was just, I remember just sort of when the ball got kicked off again, just being like, man, this is weird. Like it, I was like, this feels like deja vu. You know, when you get that feeling, oh, yeah, yeah, you're not yeah. going to get, you kind of like, you kind of like, oh, I'm here. Oh, like, I like, I knew where I was and everything. Like, I was fine, no headaches and stuff. And, yeah. and like, I kind of knew what had happened. But I was kind of like, oh, this is a weird feeling. Like, yeah, so. That deja vu is a weird one. Eh? I always thought it was sort of just me who got those. But does everyone get those deja vu moments where you feel like you've been there before after a head knock? Yeah, it's weird, eh? Yeah, I don't know what it is. I, I um. Yeah. I, although I need it, I got a bone to pick with your family. Actually, but your your brother over in uh, over in Japan, he he gave me more than deja vu. I was bloody out cold, and we played him in a preseason game. Did he? Wasn't a cheap shot, was it? Well, I, oh, if it was a real game, he would have got red. I reckon because it was a head clash, not looking after the player with the ball. Oh, true. But I've caught and passed, and then I just remember waking up, walking off the field. And I'm, but I'm already saying, nah, I'm sweet, I'm sweet, I'm sweet, you know. <laughs> but I, and then I watched the replay back, and I was like out cold on the ground. Um, but he got me, beauty. Oh, he's a grub, mate. He is a grub, mate. That's not good enough. But you have had a few um, serious injuries throughout your career. Um, was it a couple of shoulders, ACL, um, all at pretty niggly times as you're trying to sort of progress your career? How were they to deal with? Yeah, it was a, it was pretty tough tough time I think um, I don't know the post you put up actually about the questions there's there's a photo in that post of me and Cooper and that that is the, that was the round four game in 2013 which was actually my last game of NRL before I had a bunch of injuries like I that's when I went out when, it, when I was gone for like two and a half years so yeah it was the first couple were not too bad because it was end of season stuff so 2010 end of season 2011 end of season, 2012 end of season, the all shoulder shoulder surgeries, but then that 2011 or 2013, sorry, um, that's when. So that game, that was the only time I'd ever been dropped um, in my career at Storm. So they get the Broncos game, and I'd actually scored two tries that game, but I was just I was putrid in defence. But it was it was a culmination of my confidence levels not having preseason from the. From the surge, off-season surgeries, I wasn't having pre-seasons, and then I was just getting down, down in confidence, down in confidence. Mm. Anyway, I um, got dropped, went back to reserve grade, popped my shoulder out because I was just trying to flog everyone, and I, I got pre mantis arms, as you know. <laughs> popped my shoulder out, and then uh, a real bad headspace, you know, not dealing with it well, and then, but you know, just telling everyone, yeah, no, I'm sweet, I'm just going to work my way, but work hard, work hard, work hard. Yeah, came back six weeks later after popping my shoulder out, and then I did my ACL. So I had my I had to have my right shoulder done and my left ACL done. So I think I got my 
ACL done, and then once I was off crutches, I got my shoulder done. So I was walking around with a knee brace on the left, and then a and then a right shoulder. Oh, right. So that was, I think that point I was like, I was still kind of like, man, this is bad, you know. But I thought, all right, I'll give it one more crack. I still had a year on my on my contract, so I was like, I'll give twenty fourteen a crack, but. You know, if I do my ACL again, I'm just going to retire. Like, I was in such a dark, deep headspace. Anyway, changed a bunch of stuff in my life. Like, you know, just really zeroed in on what I wanted to do and was working with someone external, you know, cleaned all my diet up, wasn't really, you know, getting on the drink too much and stuff. And then rehabbed, was feeling really good, like probably the best I'd, best condition I'd been in. Like, my knee was still, you know, still getting there. And then I think nine months after that, I played a game in the preseason then I played the tens tournament and then after the tens tournament I was at training the week after going to the third trial game and then I did my ACL again so I did my left left ACL and that was in 2014 and it was like and at that point I was kind of like I can't believe it like I've done all these things like kind of in this mindset like I deserve to like I deserve to play like and all this stuff like I had this really sort of like poor me you know all this stuff and Anyway, I didn't have a contract for 2015, um, but the club, so I remember Craig saying to me like, oh, don't make a decision now on what you're going to do because you have to get the surgery anyway. So get the surgery, rehab it for this year, be around the club and do what you can and then make a decision at the end of the year what you're going to do. So I did that. I, I, I changed everything up. I saw three different surgeons. Um again changed kept going with the same lifestyle like really cleaned everything up but kind of went into it with like a if i can just get back on the field that that is like the ultimate goal like i didn't matter if i was playing club rugby queensland cup like whereas the year before i was thinking like i'm going to come back into the nrl you know show every all the haters and it was all around like it was a bit it was like a bit of an ego trip you know mm-hmm. so I, I just stripped it right back changed a bunch and and then just really zeroed in just um, change up my training environment you know just try to really yeah um, change everything up and so I just kept working away and then end of 2014 the club actually said I oh, will give you a one more year contract because they could obviously see that I was I had literally hadn't played for two and a half years and they said oh we'll give you another year contract it was obviously minimum wage and heavily you know match payments and stuff like that so it was all really on me but they could see all the stuff i was doing off field and working with the doing a lot of leadership stuff so went back in Mm. um ended up coming back round four in 2015 in queensland cup and like played horrific like i literally someone would grab my jersey and i was so terrified of being out there i was just crumbling to the ground like just dropping dropping straight to my (laughs) knees because i didn't want anyone around my just didn't want anyone near my knee but then that year, I just progressed. Each week would just get sort of start getting better and better and better. And then I was fortunate enough that year, 2015, and like round 20, um, Craig Craig sort of just said to me like, um, yeah, we're going to give you a crack. I remember I was driving to the airport because we played Queensland Cup. So I was driving out to the airport to get on the flight to go to Queensland. And then one of the assistant coaches called me and he goes, hey, mate, um, oh, you're not going up to Queensland this week. And we had a buy for Storm. And but then, so it was like round 19. And then I was like, oh, he's like, oh, just just don't go to the airport. We've cancelled your flight. You just go back home and, and we've got a, we've got like this dress-up party tonight. So just come to the dress-up party um, and just stay in Melbourne for the weekend. I was like, oh, beautiful, like awesome. 
and then straight away I'm thinking like fuck I'm gonna get cracky I'm gonna get cracked I don't want me to get risk like risk it up in Queensland Cup anyway the week after then yeah he he pulled me aside like on the Monday and he was like oh I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a go this weekend yeah I've seen you like you know going to ride and you know the guy that was playing on the wing at the time he was he, he was sort of young and it it wasn't he was going to write and I kind of felt bad because he was actually going to write but yeah. I think he just wanted to give me a crack so it played round 20 over in Napier actually against the Dragons um, it was a we took a game over there sure. and uh, yeah made me return it was like 850 days or something after after that that Broncos game in round 4 um, 2013 so and yeah and ended up playing the rest of the season so yeah. I learned a lot about myself during that time like I, I think um you know, looking back now, and even at the time, I remember at the time, like, I never wished it didn't happen to me because I probably wouldn't be sitting here right now if it didn't happen mm. to me, you know what I mean? Like, as weird as that is to say, all the things that I've learned through going through those hard times has mm. is actually helping with my life, you know? It actually helps everything. I've got nothing seems too hard or too far-fetched or whatever now because I know that, at that point, well, like what I kind of got over and pushed through, like it's it gives you a lot of confidence to get through those hard times. So um, I'm fortunate that I got out the other side. <laughs> I don't know if I, you know if I had got another knee injury, I'm like, oh, I don't know. But um, yeah, did you get close to calling quits on the on the game, or was that never really the option? It was always about getting back. Oh, I definitely, definitely got close. You definitely got close. Like. Uh, there was a point there where, you know, it was pretty pretty bad. Like the, when I did the two injuries in a row, mm. like I'm on painkillers for my knee, and then because I got surgery on my shoulder three weeks later, like I literally went painkillers on my knee, and then I went straight into painkillers for my right shoulder. And I remember I went back to New Zealand after I'd recovered pretty well, like mostly from both of them and um i was waking up in the middle of the night and i just had like i was just drenched in like cold sweats and i'm like man what's going on like i'm not sick i'm like this is so weird and i realized like a couple nights after it started like i was literally coming down off like painkillers i've literally been on painkillers for like four weeks straight you know what i mean and i I didn't even realize it at the time but and and i was like i wasn't healthy like i was pale you know i'd just been through two major surgeries it was just like it was pretty bad like you know what you go through and then you get to that point and you kind of go yeah but then as craig said it's just like well no point in making the decision now might as well wait till the end of the year i'll still getting paid until october 31st of the year after there's no point in making a decision just rip into your rehab until october 31st or october then make a decision then you you need to rehab for life you know, I need to rehab my knee because I don't want to limp around for the rest of my life. So you might as well just don't make a decision when you're overly emotional and stuff like that. So there was a lot of times where I'm like, ah, oh, man, bugger this. I'd love to throw it in. and But then, unfortunately, I, I didn't really, mate, to be honest, I still don't know what I want to do when I grow up. So <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really know at that point what I want to do. So, yeah, it's, it's all I'm, you know. So a lot of guys work at, work away at something off field and stuff, but I never really did that. I was really just invested in footy. I, I tried things here and there, but I never really sort of, you know. So yeah. So you, so you get back for the storm. You're back playing first grade, and then why the switch to union? 
Yeah, well, so that 2015 season, towards the end of the season, like, I didn't really have anything going. I was just pushing everything to the side. Like, if I'd get an inquiry, I just said to the manager, like, I just want to play footy, play finals with the Storm and stuff. But I actually ended up having a few offers, but I, I think it was more the fact that I was going cheap because of all my injuries. So <laughs> a lot of clubs were uh, trying to, you know, a bit of experience. Um, it wasn't like I was getting – it wasn't like it was a bidding war. It was more <laughs> – we could maybe jag this fellow and he, he might be a good backup or whatever. But And then obviously, so we had, I had three clubs, NRL clubs, and then I had the Blues. And sort of, I'd always had this itching feeling that I wanted to go back to Union. It probably had been delayed a bit because of my injuries. But I was keen, like, I think the timing of everything was just really good. You know, like, Tana was starting at the Blues. Um, it was my hometown. Although I didn't win a premiership at the Storm, I feel like getting back from injury was like one of the biggest things. I'd, well, it's still probably my career highlight playing that round 20 game. Mm. So I feel like at the time I was like, man, it would be great to be in a different environment where I don't have that history behind me. You know, I can just go forge another path and, you know, Every time I'd get a niggling injury here, like all the fans would be like, oh, yeah. injured again, you know, or like they don't know they're doing it, but, you know, office, you know, people in the office and stuff would be like, oh, are you injured again, you know, and it's bit, and I was just like, oh, man, I'm yeah. keen to break the shackle of, of like these, of my history. So it was just like a few things lined up mm-hmm. and I just had a decision to make. Like I could stay, stay at Storm, but I, I just, I just thought, if I'm going to give it a crack, it's going to be now when I'm 25 rather than when I was 27. So I, I could have taken a two-year contract in the NRL, tried to make the switch at 27, <clears throat> but then you never know. And then, and like kind of when you start to slow down in rugby league, your really only only option is over in the UK, north of England. And I never really imagined myself living over there. I just kind of you know, going to the Super League, and then I knew like. If I go give Union a crack and it goes good, I could go to France, Japan, you know, I could go to England, you know, there's so many more options. So I was like, well, it's now or never, go have a crack. I am obviously a big fan of Tana. I never met, I'd met him once actually, and I knew his son, his son came over to the storm. So I was keen to work under him. And and then, um, yeah, so I just thought, bugger it, have a crack see what happens and then so I got a two year contract and, and I was playing at Harbour which was cool um, but the only the, the one thing was that, well, that was difficult I went straight into Super Rugby oh, yeah. it would have been nice to go domestic rugby Super Rugby but just the way the seasons work out I couldn't do a domestic season so um, and obviously as you would have seen it was a, a hell of an intro to, to Super Rugby my first game when um, the money sent me to sent me to the moon <laughs> was that your first game of Super Rugby? Now, that question came in more than any other question. Um, I can imagine for you, obviously, in the Instagram, everyone remembers it. But was that was that your first game of rugby? You've got Big Namani Nadolo, one of the hardest men in the game to tackle. Yeah. So, <laughs> what an introduction, you, mate! So, twenty sixteen, right? Like, so we have we all like our squad has a great preseason. Like, we win all our preseason games, and we come out round, and then they picked the team for round one and I was going, I was going to write, like I played a right in the preseason and stuff. And then they came to round one and Tana just goes, we're going to go with experience. It's back in Eden Park. You know, it's a really, really big game. It's like, we're going to go with experience. So Lalangi Vissania played fullback. 
which is fine. Like, I was just like, oh, you know, that's cool. Like, I'll buy my time or whatever. So we win round one against the Highlanders. Huge win. We got, like, everyone's behind us. We're like, the Blues are back. <laughs> anyway, round two rolls around. And, he's and like, Tana's gone, oh, all right, we're going to start your fullback this week. Yeah. And then they changed the 10. And then they changed, like, the whole team that week. And we're playing Crusaders and Christchurch. And I'm, like, thinking... Oh, is that like even I'm thinking like is is that the right decision? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we might be able to build some continuity, like with <laughs> like road trip to Christchurch for my first game, starting fullback. I have like and really when I think about it now, I had no idea how to play rugby union, like no yeah. idea. It's like crazy. Um, but anyway, that's that's fine. And what I, what I what I used to once I got over the trauma of being. Um, on every highlight reel for that week or that month or year or whatever. I used to say to the boys, mate, I made the uh, I made the Super Rugby ad in my first game. <laughs> like, I don't know how many boys have made their first game made the Super Rugby ad. Because I was just like, they normally make those ads like well in advance and I literally got put straight in. Like it was like the next week they're running these Super Rugby ads and I'm like getting punted like I yeah, so... Promoting the game. Yeah, oh, mate. I remember talking to Namani after the game <laughs> and uh, in the sheds. And then he, he goes, oh, when I was running towards you, I thought I thought you were going to hit me because you come from league. And I'm like, are you serious, mate? Have you One, have you seen the size of you? And have you seen me play rugby league? I couldn't tackle, I couldn't tackle anyone. <laughs> but I think he was just trying to make me feel good. No, he's... Yeah, but I ended up later later that year. I got well after that game. After that game, I got dropped back to. I was playing club rugby, mate, the whole year, and it was funny. Like my wife's from Melbourne, and she won't mind me telling this because, like, we laugh about it now. But like, I signed a two year contract, and then after the I played one game round two, and then I was pretty much playing for club rugby for like a lot of the year that year. Yeah, and uh, she didn't say to me at the time, but I think it was after like I. After the year, like after I made the All Black, she goes, "Oh, I was thinking after your first year, you know, is this really how you imagine the switch to rugby union? Where you're like Saturday afternoon, two o'clock, playing with like some bloke, like some tradie with a knee knee wrap on, like like just there to send it after the games, like drinking beers and stuff. So yeah, it's pretty. It's funny. I can look back at now and laugh. Like, but I ended up the towards the end of that season, I I went. Um, I got picked again the next Crusaders game at Eden Park, but this time, so the, the first game I was playing fullback, so I wasn't necessarily marking in dollar. Yeah. The next game I played right wing, he played left wing. I was literally marking him. And I remember I remember when they named the team, then Tana, me and Tana had to sit down and had a yarn. And he goes, oh, he's like, this weekend, he's just like, just be really sure about where you're going to tackle him this weekend. So you, if you're going high, Start low and then surprise him and go high. He's like, if you're going if you're going low, start high and then surprise him and go low. And he was like, <laughs> like honestly, I was I went into the game. I'd made my extras that week. I was literally just getting like the biggest guys and just tackling them around the legs. But I ended up I ended up making a few tackles. Like I actually played really well that second game against them. It was actually like really really fun. Like really fun. Yeah. Like I cut them down to a few tackles and yeah, it was it was good. So. Mate, that is so funny. So how how hard is that transition? Obviously, it happens a fair bit. 
interesting to hear how you felt going into your debut, like feeling like you had sort of no idea what you're doing. How hard is that transition, especially in that back three? Yeah, oh, crazy. Like before I came up, like I was pretty motivated when I made the switch. Like I was, I was really keen to sort of make an impact and like I could see opportunity for me at the Blues and, and stuff like playing fullback and sort of with what, what I'd learned at the Storm and stuff like that. But I remember the first training session, I was like, I was running around like a league fullback. I was just trying to follow the ball everywhere. Like I was, I was running from like left to right to left to right and I wasn't touching the ball at all. Like I was literally trying to get out of the back of a block play, like every single play. And the ball's so fast, I, I ended up, I was like running side to side and my GPS numbers were through the roof. Like I remember, the, like, and I was barely touching the ball. So I was just running around like an, an idiot. But um, it takes a while. And I think once I, after that point, I pretty much transitioned onto the wing. Mm-hmm. So for the next year and a half, I pretty much played wing. Played a little bit of fullback at Harbour. But um, yeah, I was mostly playing on the wing. And, and uh, it was a lot more simplified, the role. And it probably it probably worked towards my attributes more than at that point was worked towards like my, like what I was good at. It was a lot of it was around the high balls, um, like chasing kicks, catching kicks and stuff. Whereas at fullback, you're more, you know, you've got to be tactically really good and kick well and um, link like outside backs and, you know, you got to be like a link man, but you also got to be dangerous and make good decisions and stuff. So, whereas on the wing, you, you, like be yeah. a good finisher, roam around when you can, you know, create opportunity, safe under the high ball and stuff. So, it was way way more suited to me. And I think going into that, it just allowed me to play, play like play regular games, get my confidence up, start to figure out on the run like where I can insert myself and stuff like that. So, but it took a while. Like it, it was literally a full Super Super Rugby preseason. Plus season, plus a domestic preseason, domestic season, probably the Super Rugby preseason. Even the start of that year, I probably wasn't playing that well, but Tana kept backing me at right wing. Yeah, and then it was probably it was actually the my return game back to the Crusaders down in Christchurch, and that's where everything clicked for me that 2017 season. Like I, uh, my first half. I'd made like a couple of line breaks and I was just feeling like, I just felt like way, this way better around what I was seeing. I felt like really dangerous and, but I changed a bunch of stuff during that preseason as well. Like I think when I first got over, I was, I probably didn't earn it enough. Like I didn't earn it through hard work where I I felt like I was maybe a little bit entitled when I came over. Like I felt like I was a little bit, oh, you know, like I'm coming from the storm, like we're world class and, and I knew I was really motivated, but I was probably motivated in the wrong areas. Whereas 2017 season, I fucking stripped it right back, and I was just like, I'm just going to work my ass off of the gym, get physically strong, like work real hard on the training field, um, and then yeah, and then once I get into the season, just see what happens. I have like a really really solid routine. So I was getting into the club like first. I was first at the club like every morning. I'd get up at. I think I was getting up at like 5.30 and literally just get in my car, get to the club by 6 and I'd do like a big rehab session before, that's probably like 45 minutes in the gym and then I'd go have brekkie, then then the day would start, you know, and I just sort of, I was doing all that stuff by myself and I, and it was like something, something was just clicking for me, like I, I think doing a lot of that hard work when no one's watching and when it's cold and it's dark and it's hard, like 
stuff just starts to happen for you. You know, the the harder you work, the luckier you get. And so, oh yeah, there was. I think it was. I think it was maybe round three, um, twenty seventeen, and then it just went. Something clicked on the field, and then yeah, pretty much went that whole season twenty seventeen, and like playing really good footy. Like every week, I was. Um, like getting better and better playing like good footy and I felt real confident and, and stuff like that so that was a really really enjoyable was, I'd say 2017 was by far my best year of my career for sure like in terms of and I was I was 26 turning 27 that year so I felt like I was in physical prime like everything like that yeah and you capped it off with uh, making your All Black debut so you obviously knew you were playing well but did you know you were playing well enough to have the attention of the All Black selectors, and how'd you find out? Yeah, well, it's really hard to once you get in that you get in that rumor mill, you know, because it wasn't because mm. like these things always start to snowball, you know. Like Geordie Barrett got injured in South Africa that year, and Ben Smith was on his sabbatical, and then you, and then I think uh, Izzy Dag was injured yeah. or sabbatical, and so they're not. The Harbour Boys at the time, when it really started to ramp up, was when at Harbour because I was, I was playing at Harbour and mate, it was just relentless. Like the boys are just like, "Oh, you're gonna make it, you're gonna make it," and I'm just like, I just didn't want to hear it because it's just, you know. And, and to be honest, I was like playing good footy at Harbour that year as well, and I was like after every game and stuff, like there'd be journo's asking me, reporters asking me, or like radio. Oh, how do you reckon? And I'm just like, I didn't want to hear it, didn't want to hear it. Anyway, got to the day of the naming, and I remember waking up, and I woke up at like 7 o'clock, and, and I think the naming was at midday or something, and I'm just like, I said to my missus, I said, I just can't sit in the house because this is going to be the longest morning of my life. I like, we have to do something. We have to go out, and I just got to get out of the house because I was just like, couldn't sleep that night before. Even though in my head I was like, I'm not going to make it, I'm not going to make it. I just couldn't sleep, and I couldn't sit still anyway so we went out and then we got back and i think it was maybe 10 30 the announcement and then <clears throat> it was on facebook live i think oh, so we logged on on the laptop and we we're like oh i was like oh do i watch it or do i not watch it like if i watch it and i don't get named it's like you know i'll be disappointed but anyway like <clears throat> chuck it up on facebook live and sitting in my uh kitchen with with my partner and yeah and then they went through in a Lucky it was alphabetical because my name, my last name starts with D, and I was probably like the third or fourth um, name. And then it was just like yeah, it was crazy, a crazy, crazy morning. Like I just couldn't believe it. Like hearing your name read out in that scenario, and then my phone just lit up. Like it was insane. They were like within, I reckon within five minutes there would have been like two hundred text messages on my phone. Crazy. You know, like just from the randomest people too. Like just random random people <clears throat> anyway me and my missus sort of for last for, for about an hour we were just just gobsmacked like crazy got a call from steve hansen um about 10 minutes after he just said oh like you know welcome and you're looking forward to having you here and and explained why i'd been picked and stuff and or well, i don't even know if he explained why i'd been picked but he um just said oh we'll see you friday and i think it was like the monday so pretty much um yeah get my stuff sorted and we'll see you on friday at, at, at the airport and uh yeah then ended up i ended up jumping tv3 or tv1 or something wanted to do an interview out at uh, north harbour stadium so i jumped in my car and went out to north harbour stadium and um did the interview anyway at that point i didn't realize this until like 
three days later, but my dad was sitting at home when it happened, and he was the same as me. He was just like, didn't know what to do with himself. So he just jumped in his car, didn't even call me or anything, and he just came over to my house. And But it's like it's like an hour's drive. So he's like driven over, and I'm not home because I'm out at North Harbour Stadium. <laughs> and he told me like three days over, he's like, I actually couldn't, he's like, I couldn't sit in my house anymore. And I, he's just like, I had to come see you. And then so he's knocking on my door, and I'm not even home. And so he's just sat, he's just sat around for like half an hour, and I still didn't come back. So he just went back home, and he's like drove an hour back out. Yeah, it was just like amazing time for like my family and and everyone, sort of my friends and stuff, and and everyone that sort of been a part of, you know, those really hard times. You know, I sort of through that week, I really like reflected on, man, I was nearly about to give the game away. Man, last year I was literally playing for Takapuna at only one domain on a two o'clock on a Saturday. Yeah. Getting sprayed by all the old <laughs> old folks on the sideline. Like and then yeah. fast forward sort of twelve, eighteen months, but um but it was exciting and then yeah, I we were me and my wife were getting married in December and I was away for all of November. So I was like, Oh well <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I guess you're gonna have to uh organise the rest of the wedding. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Well to be honest I was supposed to go on my stag do at the end of November to Rarotonga so I had all my groomsmen and my brother and my little brother and stuff and I'd plan this trip and so the boys are like oh we're still going to go <laughs> so I was literally over in I was in Wales I think and they were in Rarotonga and they had like this big cardboard cutout of me and they were partying it up in Rarotonga <laughs> and then I think pretty sure my, my credit card was on the on the room and, and they'd like put a hole in the wall <laughs> and I'm like oh yeah so <laughs> Right, that's crazy. I, I love stories like that. It's one of the coolest things about the game, eh? how quickly it can all change, either one way or the other. Eh? One minute you can be a hero, next minute the zero, or vice versa, like like you say, playing club rugby at Takapuna, and then a year later you're playing for the All Blacks and running out with the silver fern on your chest. Yeah. Um, what was that experience like, doing the haka? Yeah, yeah, I made sure I had myself up the back behind one of the big front rowers. Uh, I wasn't intimidating anyone, but... I was awesome. Like I think that that first uh, game against the Barbars in London, I was uh, coming off the bench. So um, yeah, just being up there singing the national anthem in front of like sixty or fifty, sixty thousand people in London, I was it was it was just bizarre. Even from from the point where I went into the camp, it was just bizarre. Like the whole month was just crazy. Like I was just the whole environment, what it comes with, like being a part of that and what happens when you when you get in there and then yeah just mm. just an amazing amazing environment to be a part of um i was just soaking it in loving it um making the most of it you know like just going on every day off trip with anyone and just playing cards <laughs> with everyone and just just yeah barely spent a moment in my room you know like just yeah. soaked it all in and but yeah Definitely singing the national anthem was a, a huge uh, emotional sort of thing to happen. And I played the Barbars game, came off the bench for like 10 minutes, didn't didn't touch the ball, didn't make a tackle, but <laughs> it was like the best 10 minutes of my life. <laughs> and then we played the French Barbars, and I, I started that game on the right wing and played 80 minutes. So uh, yeah. that was cool because was, in that team we had like, it was like Richard Wonga played, Nani, um, and this was all back when they were sort of, bursting onto the scene or like they'd played 
sort of in and out. Uh, Jack Goodhue played. Uh, I think Seta played left wing. I played right mm. wing. David Havili at fifteen. I think Tawada started at nine, and then we had yeah. So we had like a sort of a young team with few experienced guys and um, playing against uh, uh, French Barbars who literally more experienced than the actual French team that, that played the week before. It was like they they tried to get one of the scalps. So they, they ended up chucking heaps of their gun players. But my first involvement, they threw the ball <laughs> over to the hooker who was standing on the wing, the wing and he was just like a ball of muscle. And he's running, and I'm like, I'm in an All Blacks. Like, in my head, I'm like, I'm in an All Blacks jersey. I'm not missing this tackle. And I just went in, like, shut my eyes. And he just, like, he just bumped me off, ran straight over the top of me and, like, nearly scored. And the boy's like, oh, I remember the time just running back, just in that complete um, panic. Like, oh, my God, I can't believe I missed the tackle in the All Blacks jersey. Like, I was just sprinting back, and I, like, literally hit, like, every ruck after that. You know, when you're just panicking and just, like, yeah. I was just diving my head into every ruck, just trying to, like, stop a try. They were one metre from my line, <laughs> ended up. But then after that, after that, I, I had a few couple of good touches and um, came good. But it was it was fun. Like, I was just, again, just trying to lap it up. Like, I was, um, towards the end of the game, we started giving yellow cards, like, just for, like, real petty stuff. Like, the French ref and the crowd was just going berserk. And I like, started interacting with the crowd, like just in like a fun yeah. way, and they, they were great. And um, but yeah, it was just it was a cool experience. And uh, my my dad was there with his partner, so and I saw him after the game, and he's just like a absolute mess. Like he's just like bawling his eyes out. And, <laughs> but, yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so cool. So yeah, I know you mentioned that backline. A lot of those guys are you know still regular All Blacks. Now, what do you reckon stop you from becoming that sort of regular all black or um getting more tests than you did yeah i don't know i've reflected on it a little bit like i think 2018 was a frustrating year and and i think it probably is um can be that second year can be frustrating for a lot of players um i ended up playing a lot of fullback at at blues in 2018 like at the start of the year and it wasn't yeah i don't know it was just I wasn't our team wasn't playing well i wasn't really playing well i was putting a lot of effort into the things I talked about before around getting up early and doing all that stuff, but maybe on reflection, I maybe wasn't fully, fully invested in it. Like I was doing it, but maybe I was just ticking a box. And yeah, I'll never know. Like it's easier to climb the mountain than it is to stay at the top, you know, because you've got guys nipping at your heels. And especially in New Zealand, being an outside back, you know, you've there's always an outside back every single year that pops on the scene and is a gun, you know. So yeah. Um, and again, the the guys I mentioned before, like Ben Smith, Geordie Barrett, Izzy Dag, they weren't involved that year. So then you put them back in, mm. and then there'd be another guy pop out the ground in 2018. I don't, I don't know exactly who it was, but but yeah, I, I did. I, I played a lot of fullback the year, which was enjoyable. But then towards the end, <clears throat> I think I had I had my first daughter in September playing, and I was playing for North Harbour, and. Um, a week later, I tore my ham- hamstring off the bone. Oh, sure. Which was, yeah, which is a major. That was like, that was my only major surgery in rugby union. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty, that kind of, that really sort of affected, obviously affected the end of year stuff. Uh, but I, I probably wasn't playing that, playing that well anyway, so. So then the move to Japan, so 
Why'd you, why'd you go to Japan in the end? Yeah, so 2019, I re-signed with the Blues for one year. Or No, so I had 19. I struggled a bit in 19. My hamstring just wasn't... It just took way longer than I thought. And I probably never got back to what I was before, that, like, after that. But I'm not, I'm not saying I didn't get... Mm. I couldn't get back to performing well. I just wasn't the same after I tore my hammy off the bone. Yeah. Like, it was a big surgery, and, and a lot of guys have been retired through that. So, I ended up 19 was a bit of a battle. Um, even at Harbour, like, Harbour was normally, like, my safe area. Like, it was, like, some an environment I really loved, and even the 19 season at Harbour was a struggle. Like, um, we got a new coach, and, and just sort of, I wasn't in a great, like, headspace, and, you know, it was just like a bit of a bit of a blowout of a year, to be honest. And but like home life was great. Like I had this new daughter, and she was growing up and stuff. So it was like a bit of a yeah. Just footy was a bit of a struggle. Like Leon, Leon came up in 2019, and I wasn't. I'd been starting for three years, and then I was coming back from injury, and I and I was battling just even to make the team. So and I wasn't playing good. So anyway, uh, 2020 rolled round. Had a good preseason, like a really good preseason, and then I ended up starting round one um, at fullback for the Blues and I was I was I feel like I just got over like I was physically I was back to I reckon I was back but then um, started at fullback and then I wasn't I still, again fucking didn't play that well but I stayed in the team for a bit and then um, kind of got to mid-year and then I started coming off the bench and yeah like I, I just wasn't playing that well and and I probably sat back and I was like kind of ready to go then. Like I'd done, I kind of knew maybe that, I pretty much knew that I was never going to get back into that All Blacks environment. And maybe it was time for me to go, as bad as it sounds, go cash in <laughs> and uh, go experience something new. Um, would be been in Auckland for five years and the plan is always was always to come back to Melbourne, so... I just thought, go over to Japan, have a crack. But this was all during COVID. <laughs> so, like, rugby had pretty much, like, come to a halt. Um, and I'm, like, sitting at home, and we're sitting at home, like, just, like, praying that we get a Japanese contract. And every, all the Japan clubs were just like, oh, we're not signing you, I'm not signing you. And so, fortunate enough to get a contract. And by that time, we were having our second baby at the end of 2020. So then we ended up having our Pierre, our second daughter and then I left like six days later and moved over and then she waited for the passport and then but yeah once we got over there it was it was obviously a bit of a battle like brand new newborn baby new environment we're in Suzuka mm. where it's like there's no English speaking at all but footy was good you know like I, it, was, it was good to be back in a new environment and yeah so I was just just one of those things like I again like weigh it all up you know what was best for yeah and i was already you know i was kind of what was i then i was 30 so a winger in nrl doesn't get paid that much right so it wasn't like i was sitting there going counting my cash from my nrl's days and new zealand rugby was great but i left literally we get to the five five years plus of super rugby that's where when you start getting like you know, all the great incentives. I literally left and didn't get any of that. I left like my fifth year. Yeah. Um, so it was like, it was just a bit of a chance to, yeah, make some money, experience a new culture, uh, play, keep playing footy. Physically, it was, 
it was a bit easier on the body just because you're not playing against um, big, fast, strong guys. Mentally, it's probably a little bit easier mm. because you probably don't need to put in as yeah. much like sort of mental load into the into the game. So, but it's pretty cool. Less pressure, eh? Like less pressure from like the media and things like that. Like no one watches your games really, eh? So it's all yeah. You know, there's none of that pressure of you know every game I have to perform my best or else I'm gonna cop it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Especially being at the Blues, like Blues is a relentless environment in terms of media wise. Mm. Especially, we just started to turn the ship too. Like in 2020, we we're coming good, and like I actually love my role in 2020 because I'd signed over in Japan, and then we we're finishing off the Super Rugby season. I was just like tw- number 23 every week, and I was just like, oh, "How good is this?" Like, you know, like no, like not as much pressure, <laughs> and and I was just coming on and just doing a job, and then. By the end of the year, that I actually was starting and Bodie was playing 10. So at the start of the year, it was like Oates and Bodie was playing 15. But then Bodie went into 10 mm. and I started playing 15. And, and like, <laughs> but I was, I literally played the Highlanders game at 15. I played the whole game. I didn't kick the ball once as a 15. Like, I was just catching high balls, yeah. just running, like, you know, like, because Bodie's kicking off both feet, like, he was kicking heaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, when I was kicking the ball, I was, but I, I was just enjoying it. It was just fun. Like it was, yeah, it was it was good. It was all going good. Um, and then we had this big, the probably my thing that pissed me off the most that year. We had the, our last round of that season. We were playing Crusaders um, in Auckland. It was my thirtieth birthday. It was my last game for the Blues. So I'd organised like I was kind of like doing the social organising stuff. Um, so I was. I'd organise this awesome Mad Monday. It was pretty much tagged with my 30th birthday. It was just like literally going to be the best. It was like Sunday afternoon footy or something like that. It was something unbelievable. And in my head, I'm just going, this is going to be the best, best couple of days ever. And just send it out, send Auckland out on a good note, whatever. And then they had that little cluster that popped up and they cancelled the last round. Oh, true. That's right. Yeah. And I was starting that game too. I was starting at fullback, and I like I was just like, man, this is gonna be awesome. Like we've got to crack. Like we can beat these guys finally. Like I never, I've never been in the Crusaders. I was just like, this would be the best. Like I'm just gonna run myself to death and just, <laughs> just like do anything I can to win this game. Like it's like our grand final, and then it yeah. got cancelled literally yeah. like two days before. I was like, oh, exactly. You mentioned um, that the NRL wingers don't get paid much, like. That's interesting to hear. Like, how what what does that sort of compare to like a Honda Heat contract? Oh, well, I'm talking I'm talking when I came through, you know, like yeah. So I think it's a bit different now. I think you got guys that there's a couple of wingers that are on like over 500k, but that that's like crazy money for a winger. Like yeah, back when I was coming through, it was just you normally get guys that are like well, my first year was like I was on minimum, and then. And then after that, I was literally on minimum, like today's minimum wage. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So like after that, like my second my my second contract, I was on like today's minimum wage. So like the salaries have just gone through True. the roof since I've left there. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I think I always had like this inkling. Like I always felt like, oh man, I want to go back to the storm and give it a crack. Like when Suliasi Vunivali went to Wallabies, I was like, fuck, should I go over? Like should I should I ring the club see if they you know would, would take me back sort of thing or there was but I just was like ah, oh, you know like for family reasons like it would have been great to come back and finish my career here but I, I just know that 
like I just would have been getting paid minimum or whatever. Like you know, it was just one of those things. Yeah, sounds like you might be able to keep training, man. Yeah, I know. Just training without the weights, meetings, like any of the pressure of performance. <laughs> uh, but mate, I'll, since I finished in July, I've lost like five kilos. I'm like eighty-seven kilos. Yeah, <laughs> eighty-seven kilos and like six foot three. I'm like I'm actually like a beanpole. And everyone comes up to you and says, "Geez, you you've lost a lot of weight since your footy days. I expecting you to either." <laughs> Train as hard as you did while you were playing or blow out. I'm not sure. <laughs> nah. I always knew that I was going to like slim down because a, a part of my career was always like, and this is the part that I'm enjoying about retirement is just like you're always thinking about, oh, what am I going to eat next or yeah. shit. Like I, I make sure I drink water so my weight's up and like I'm at like, you know, it's oh, it's painful. Like yeah. nowadays, like sometimes I'll just get up and I'll just – you know, give the kids breakfast and stuff. And if I'm not, I'll just have a coffee and yeah. won't eat till like midday. And I'll just be like, ah, oh, whatever. Like, it's just not yeah. a thing. Yeah. Yeah, so you couldn't do that when you're playing. No, you've got to scoff back yeah. three protein shakes. Oh, painful. So painful. But anyway, we have, we have to get to these questions. This has been one of the greatest podcasts ever, but we'll get through these huge amount of questions that we got through for you. Obviously, a lot of them came about the big man who we've spoken about, a lot of them around the collision, but we'll go to the next one. This one's from your good mate, Mike Collins. Um, How did you become the best fundamental player in the game? (laughs) So me and Michael Collins for a couple of years were, I was always starting right wing, he was starting at fullback, and we always had this joke with us as like, hey, We've got no flair, no razzle. You know, we're like all the great blues backlines. You look like razzly ass and all that stuff. Hey, we're 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 the safe guys, all right. We're the fundamentals. You know, no offloads, kick well, pass. And when you're passing, you're following through. You're pointing target. And all this time, like we we just always had this joke that we're always we're always the safe we're always the safe guys. Um, but yeah, me and Mike had a man. I love playing against. Um, MC, oh, playing with MC, sorry. Yeah. Um, it's quite funny. The 2016, we won the domestic comp with Harbour and Otago. We played Otago in the final. And uh, I didn't know it at the time, but MC was the one that, like, he came to the Blues next year. He got signed to the Blues, but he was the one that sort of kicked it out on the full outside of 22 and gave us the opportunity for Brent Gatlin to kick the oh, goal. So I remember when he turned up, I was like, oh, you're the guy that... <laughs> but I didn't mention to him until we got closer, and I'm like, ah, we got you, and, and it was your fault. <laughs> no, nah, he's, a, he's, a, he's a great man. He's a terror on the drink, but oh, he's a good man. That sounds like it. Okay, one thing we didn't even get to speak about in this was your um, Kiwis debut, but... Um, obviously, it was one of the greats. But how did the Kiwis environment compare to the All Blacks environment? This question came in a bit. Yeah, um, I'd say I went into the Kiwis environment a few times through the early part of my career. So I played in the 2011 Anzac Test, and then I was involved in camps in 2012, 2013. Um, it is it is very different. Like I think when I played in 2011, we had a very sort of old old school group. You know, we had a lot of older guys. I don't know. I feel like it would be much different nowadays. Um, but 
yeah, at the time, like 2011, we had Steve Kearney. Um, he was doing a lot of good things around the environment, um, just making everything, you know, like more professional and stuff. But I just, the All Blacks environment is just, is like another level. And the fact that I went on a northern tour, so you're traveling mm. as well, like, is very different to like a one week camp on the Gold Coast. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say the Kiwis environment, when I was in there, like, Benji was like running the running the show in terms of like he was in his prime at that point. He was like the he was like our Cam Smith, you know what I mean? Like he was just running the show. Yeah. So it's it's really, really hard to compare. Mm. Especially because I went in for a week on a Goldie versus like four weeks mm. in Europe. It's just yeah, slightly different. Um I I definitely think the Kiwis environment now is very, very different and it's uh very professional and I feel like this this Kiwis group we've got at the moment is has got to be our best team in history. Mm. Like okay. that, they're a they're a very good chance of winning the World Cup. Like I, I always used to go into sort of Kiwis Kangaroos games, like not myself, but when I'd watch them, I'd be like, oh man, it'd be good if we could jag a win here. But I'd I'll be watching their game, and they're probably going to be in the semi final. I'll be watching the game thinking like we will win. And if we don't, it's it's a it's a failure. You know what mm. I mean? It's not a it's not a bonus. Yeah. So it's gonna be an awesome World Cup. Mate, it is, eh? It's been off to off, off to a good start. Okay, next question. How do you think Roger Tuvasa Sheik's transition is going? Obviously another code hopper like yourself. Um, a lot of speculation around him. Any feedback from the GOAT? <laughs> um I'll be honest, like I, I probably haven't watched a whole lot of him. But I've kept up a little bit. It's hard not to keep up with his transition. I think he would make a perfect um, 23. Like, because he can play midfield and he can play... And he's got X-Factor to change a game. But I probably don't know. I, I, I haven't watched him enough to know exactly how good or bad he's going. You know what I mean? Mm. But I definitely think he could he could easily... Like, for the Blues, he's obviously very valuable like yeah but all blacks is different it's like a different beast you know i don't even think he would he would have come over expecting to walk into that team you know what i mean like i don't all these people saying like yeah i've heard a few bit of commentary saying like oh he's not doing that well because he's not in the all blacks well i don't know anyone in history that's walked straight into the all blacks like sonny bill didn't even walk straight into the all blacks you know what i mean he's like the greatest athlete of like in probably the greatest athlete in New Zealand in New Zealand history. Yeah. Like it's a it's just a different beast. So I definitely think he's got the skills and the attributes to have a long career in rugby union mm. and I dare say he's gonna make a bit of money doing it. <laughs> he sure will. And another it sort of goes on to these other questions which is sort of around what's the hardest thing in the with that transition. So um <clears throat> the breakdown, the rules, what where does it become difficult? Um, I'd say for, for me the hardest thing was the technical oh the tactical stuff so the kicking so when to kick where to kick what to look for and then the other hard thing is like attacking with a line r- really close to you so um, obviously in union you get say 10 metres or whatever and you get time to sum up a situation whereas in union you've got to be you're literally making the the decision before you're catching the ball like you kind of you kind of have to be able to know what they're doing before you catch the ball um i found that i found that 
like really mm. difficult. It just just the like the breakdown wasn't too bad. Like I don't think it was too difficult to figure out for me. Like it's just it's, I don't. It looks like a shit show there, but it's pretty basic. Like <laughs> if you're carrying the ball, you got a long place. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to clean someone out, you just got to get away from the ball. Like it's it's not like overly technical. Um, yeah. But yeah, I thought I found the tactical awareness was really difficult, like when to kick and like, and then judging momentum and like in rugby league, you get to play the ball and it's always generally like three to four seconds, like it's X amount of seconds. Yeah. So you can kind of gauge your timing off that. Whereas in union, you kind of you have to get your depth and stuff the same whether you get a, and then you go forward or you stay still or yeah. you you know depending on the ruck speed and stuff like that. So. But then you also have need the ability to react and push into holes and and stuff like that. So yeah, there's that's what I found the hardest, like tactical kicking and attacking, just attacking awareness and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a bit to it, eh? Uh, next question: Top three fastest players you've played with in either code, with or against? Um, oh, Rico, Rico's lightning. He's uh, definitely. He's definitely the the fastest player I've ever played with or against. Is he? Um, yeah, yeah. I'd say so. I never played against Josh Adakar. Um Brett Morris. Oh yeah. I played. Well, actually, it was Josh Morris. So one of the twins, Josh Morris. One day at Amy Park, he um, he dusted me on the outside and made me look like a fool. Oh, yeah. And and he was a center. He wasn't even as fast as Brett, so he was pretty pretty quick. Um. GI Greg Inglis was quick mm-hmm. once he got going, mm-hmm. like top end. So I reckon GI from sort of fifty to hundred would he was unbelievable. But the fastest guy I reckon from zero to twenty was Billy. Like it, it was ridiculous how fast he was like that first and then once he get over twenty, his legs start going all over the place and he's like he's it's like he loses all of his <laughs> You you watch some of his um, highlights of him making like line breaks, and his one of his legs flicks out to the side like as he's running. But he he's lightning over ten twenty meters, like he he could step you in a phone box. It was ridiculous how agile he was. Acceleration, oh, yeah. yeah, unreal. Okay, two more questions. How would the big three go at Union? Um, oh, it's hard to know. I don't. I actually don't know where Cam Cam Smith would play. No. I reckon Cooper as a 10 would be all right. I reckon uh, Billy at fullback. I always wanted to see Billy play Union. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> when I, when, once I moved back to the Blues and I was watching training and stuff, I'm like, man, it would be so good to see him, him here, like giving him a one-on-one with a prop. Like it's, it's just like game over, yeah. Yeah. you know? But the thing about those three is that they're so competitive and they work hard, they're diligent, they're like they could make it work you know what I mean it's just it's one of those things they're they're like generational players that it it didn't even matter if you're playing table tennis they they would they would like just go they'd be so laser focused on trying to win you know and you muck around in the team room so what I know about them three is that they could transition it just I don't know yeah where or how (laughs) yeah Cam Smith would be an interesting one Suppose you'd have to go half back, really, wouldn't he? Half back <laughs> ten, but probably go yeah. good at uh, ten. Yeah, run the counter, left foot. Yeah. Oh, 
I know he could do it as well. Mm. Okay, last question. Best piece of advice you have for a Wadlad listener, and you've already given us plenty throughout this episode already, so um, looking forward to this. Uh, best piece of advice? Um, to be honest, this is probably going to be a piece of advice for young guys that are in environments like professional environments or whatever. Perfect. But probably what I didn't do is I didn't actually commit a lot like I didn't fully commit to playing footy. I, I probably still treated it like when I was at training, I'd train my ass off. But then I probably didn't invest enough time in myself, like away from the game. So like you know classic young guy things, you know, not eating well, you know getting on the drink too much um just probably not probably just loving the i guess professional sports way of life rather than actually investing in what you're what you're trying to do and getting better at it Mm. so my piece of advice would be just if you get an opportunity in a in an environment invest in it you know um do whatever you can soak it all in and make the most of it because yeah it goes quick um, and I don't have any regrets mm-hmm. about my career because I understand that it's that's all part of the journey. Like it's all part of you know um, growing up and and all that sort of stuff. So I don't sit here and go like oh, I didn't make the most of my thing because I know I had points in my career when I probably overachieved mm-hmm. and I had points in my career where I didn't. You know, and I feel like at the end of the day, like I'm I'm proud of what I achieved and whatever. So yeah. I uh, yeah, just invest in it and take it seriously. Mm-hmm. It's not park footy. It's not school footy. It's professional footy. Mm. So yeah, that that would be my piece of advice, mate. I love that because that that's so relevant these days. You see it all the time. I see it as a coach. I see players. You're like, come on, man, take it a little bit more professionally. This is professional footy. It's not much, eh? But um, you can see the difference between the guys who really do invest in it and the guys who don't so and it does make a massive difference and even hearing your story like when you switch to that sort of mindset you switch that mindset a little bit to become more professional how quickly things started to happen you made the all blacks etc so oh that is priceless advice from the man over there at the storm who's giving this advice these young kids coming through oh we're going to see some special talents come out of the storm in the next few years yeah, we just need the we need the cattle. I think the dolphins coming in. There's bloody there's a lot of competition for these kids. But that, I feel I feel like that's the thing that excites me the most. It's not seeing. It's probably it's easy to spot. It's easy for like um, someone to spot like the next big thing. You know, mm. I'd love to see like someone who's just come out of nowhere, and then they progress through yeah. hard work and all that things that we've been talking about. Yeah. Because then that that's satisfying. Mm. Obviously, the gun who does all that, yeah, is great. Yeah. You know, I think you know. I'll probably see a guy like Rico Yuani, right? And I'm good mates with Reeks, but a guy like Reeks, he has both. You know, he's like he works hard, he's vested in his career and stuff, but he's a freak. You know mm. what I mean? So I give him as much credit as I do as the guy that who's a battler and he gives a lot and he makes it as well. Yeah. Whereas the guys that do your living are the guys that with the talent who just, uh, you know, yeah. fluff about and then, you know, blame everyone else and, and that. So, But, yeah, who who knows? Fingers crossed. And hopefully I can get over to the 
uh, Crusaders on a bit of a PD PD junket at some point. Yeah, and vice versa. I, I hear that you guys have a very close yeah. relationship. So I'll be putting my hand up for any trips over there and hopefully <laughs> catch up. Yeah. yeah, nah, sounds good, mate. But, mate, really appreciate you giving up your time coming on the podcast. Been awesome going through your journey. Uh, you're one of the greats. Fuel Code International, not many people can say that. And obviously, um, a career which has had so many highs and lows, like most rugby careers do. But, uh, yeah, really appreciate you coming on and giving up your time. Nah, all good, mate. Cheers. Thanks for having me. You're a lad.